Friendshipping is proud to be part of the Chicago Podcast Cooperative. This episode of Friendshipping is brought to you by the House Theater of Chicago. Now presenting Pinocchio, a tall tale about telling the truth. A classic fairy tale of a wooden boy who wishes to become real. Running through May 19th at the Chopin Theater in Wicker Park. The House Theater has been proudly producing original plays and immersive events for 18 years. This season, the House recognizes the contributions of Lee Dixon. You can learn more and buy tickets at www.thehousetheater.com. Enjoy the show. I'm Jen. And I'm Trin. This This is Friendshipping. And the theme this week is... You're taking a lot out of me. Friendship between humans has many benefits. But sometimes there is drama and you want to call it quits. Don't write nasty subtweets or punch them in the tits. View friendship at the problem. Jen, 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 Jen. Hi, Train. I think it's cute that we're both battling colds today. I think that you are battling my cold. Probably. Because I believe that my cold is, uh, I think I'm patient zero. And I think that it is, uh, in, it's almost in full swing, whereas you are just like teetering on the edge of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, I, so I woke up this morning and I was like, this isn't good. And so I took some medicines. I ate some healthy foods. I did some coffee. And I was like, okay, well, this is going to be the best that I feel. And I was like, well, I still want to go to Kettlebell tonight. So I was like, let's go do friendshiping with Jen. Let's do this thing. Mm-hmm. And if I don't feel better by the time I've had some Jen time, and by the time that I've had more caffeine in me, that means I am sick and I am staying home. So you're deciding if you're going to go to Kettlebell. Every yes. time you say that, by the way, I think you're saying cowbell. Cow- no, <laughs> no cowbell tonight. I think that's wise. If you're not feeling well, don't play the cowbell. Thank you. So yeah, it's like, well, so, it, so it, the, the class that I take, I don't even know, Ian, this might be too boring. And you no, I'm it. interested. Tell me about this class. So it's like CrossFit without the pooping yourself. Wait, hold on. What does CrossFit and pooping yourself have to do with So CrossFit is, you know, the exercise where they make you, like, lift big metal things uh-huh. and, like, pull ropes. Uh-huh. But what, what about the pooping? So CrossFit encourages you to work so hard that you pee on yourself. What? No. Yes, 100%. I've never heard of this. That's the first thing I ever heard about CrossFit. That's I've never heard this about CrossFit. So it's more like there's, like, this um this culture around CrossFit where it's like, we go hard! <laughs> yeah. Protein powder! Right, right. Move this tire. The class that I take incorporates kettlebells, but it also incorporates some components of CrossFit. Like we have weird monkey bars. And there are, again, there are ropes that you pull and shake. Oh, I've done the rope shaking yeah. thing. That one's really fun. Right. And so, and I, I like this because it's like a less masculinist version of CrossFit. Yeah, yeah. So I call it kettlebell, even though it's not really kettlebell, because we do use kettlebells, but we also never use kettlebell. It's, you know, I don't well, know how to It sounds it. really fun. Thanks. And I like gym classes that like give you variety. Yeah. Chicago Primal Gym. They should sponsor the CPC. <laughs> That's a good idea. Primal. Yeah, Get right? Div- dig into your primal urges. So that's the thing about it is that I think it's actually very appropriately named. Yeah, I love it. There's there a lot of yelling. primal about grunting. Do you ever leave the gym or go to the gym or whatever and you're thinking, um, all I did was pick up stuff and put it back down? Yes. That's so weird. Like we do this thing where they give you just a heavy ball and you just throw the heavy ball on the ground as hard as you can and that's exercise. <laughs> It is. It's good for you, but it's like, or like when I treadmill, it's like I'm. I'm li- when you treadmill, I'm literally going nowhere. <laughs> this is. It's so productive and so unproductive at the same time. I. I. Yeah. So, every now and again, I'm gonna check in and be like, I th- I'm at like seventy percent going to kettlebell. 
I'm at like 40%. I'm pretty curious. I'm going to put it in the notes. Right How now, are you feeling? I'm kettlebell? Fe- I'm feeling like 5 out of 10 kettlebell right now. Like I could give it or take it right now. Okay, got it. Are you taking notes on how much I yeah, want? Yeah, well, I'm putting it into the notes, so I remember to ask. Oh. Kettlebell? Jen, we also went to your—we had a bachelorette. Yeah, that we, might be part of the reason why we're both sick, is because we got little sleep and indulged in some wine. wine. Um, but yeah, I had a bachelorette party, and it was the coolest thing ever. Uh, people came in from out of town. Uh, no boys allowed. No boys. No boys allowed. We went out to dinner. We rented an Airbnb. I would love to hear this night from Trin's point of view. So I have a point of view. Jen, I had such a lovely time at your bachelorette party. And I am stoked to talk about it on the Friendshiping podcast today because I feel like there were such good examples of friendship occurring. Because so oh, it was this, you know. Totally. It was yeah. this very like feminine thing, you know. And okay, so let's talk about this. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about internalized misogyny. Let's talk about, let's talk about. Uh, How stupid weddings are. The politics of being a bride, et cetera, Oh my et cetera. God, yeah. Right. God, I hate it. So Jen came to us three bridesmaids. It's me and two of her childhood friends and was like, okay, let's have a bachelorette party. It'll be very chill. We'll rent an Airbnb. We'll drink some wine, go out to dinner. Cool, 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 cool. And so for me, I was like, great, end of discussion. <laughs> I was like, great, I will go and I will get some, uh, I'll get some, I'll bring my night wine. I will uh, plan to make like really good popcorn at like one in the morning or whatever. Oh man, people lost their minds over the popcorn. It was great. It was like, I, I make some killer popcorn. Yeah. I'll tell you what. And I was like, yeah, like, I, I'm happy to, to come and be um, uh, like party mom, NBD. This will be great. And the other two bridesmaids took it a completely different direction. In a way that I was worried wasn't going to be good for Jen. Oh, you thought they were, like, planning too much? Yeah, yeah, Got yeah. Got it. And because they put together a Know Your Boo, like, video with uh, Jen's fiancé, and they put I together— love, That actually might be my favorite part. That was so good. Yeah. And, like, they did put together, like, fun little quizzes, and, like, they got us, like, matching wine koozies, and it's it was really great. And when I was going into it, I was like, this is so a bachelorette party. Is this really Jen's vibe, all this stuff? But what it came down to was a really beautiful evening of everybody loving Jen in their own specific way and Jen just kind of enjoying it and like like wafting around in the love. Oh, it was awesome. And like, and, and so it was weird from my perspective being somebody who's like, I'm, you know, we all talk, we talk about how I'm like 30 years older than Jen, but it's more like five. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so like, I was like watching them have a power hour, which I've never experienced in my life. And just being like, wow, this is just another completely valid way to celebrate Jen's happiness. And I was like really happy to have gone. Yeah, yeah. I guess where Trin, you might have, might have been confused is that a bachelorette party for me should, looked exactly like that. What it didn't look like was going to bars. Right. Or having uh, men around. Right. Or, and there were also no penises. No penises. Like no penis decorations. Which de- is like a thing people love. Yeah, the decorations that were there were Star Wars. And there was a cutout, life-size cutout of Legolas, my, my original boyfriend. And everyone throughout the night was like, it kind of feels like we're attending an 11-year-old boy's birthday party. Because In fact, there was a cake that said happy birthday on it. It did. And I actually still have Spider-Man happy birthday balloons in my oh, apartment. Right. Because <laughs> I, forgot, Spidey. I forgot to put them in the lift when I was on my way over. But like, it was this really beautiful blend of traditional things that you do. Fun, like, feminine, girly things that you do, and also stuff you do at a 10-year-old boy's birthday party, which ultimately isn't that what a human being is, is many different facets, and we celebrated all of your facets, which I think was really great. Yeah, I had an awesome time. Thanks for saying that. I had had an amazing time. 
it's really lovely to be surrounded by people that never get to get together, really. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually the best part about a wedding, I realize. It's like, it's an excuse to get, to basically have a reunion of friendship. It was really fun to meet all of your friends that I've never met before. Yeah. Because yeah, I've heard a little about. feel like they know a lot about you, which is very funny. One thing that was really fucking hilarious for me is, I was, so I was in a shared lift with uh, all friends of yours that I did not know. And I did not know what everybody knew about me. And somebody said something about like friendshipping. And the woman next to me goes, what's that? And I go, oh, it's this podcast me and Jen have. And she's like, I was kidding. I obviously listened to every episode of Friendship. Oh my God. That's so cute. And because I had known her name, but not her face. Right, right. Um, But it was just so funny because I was just like, I was totally ready to be like, oh yeah, it's this weird thing that Jen and I do. And she's like, are you fucking kidding me? I'm in like the Jen Bain inner circle. Yes, I know what friendship is. That is is so funny. Yeah, you know what's funny is I've never asked friends to listen to it, but they do. They do, which leads me to believe we might be onto something with this podcast. I doubt it. That sounds wrong. Should we do this question? Two questions? Oh my God, these questions are pretty heavy. These are very heavy questions. And we would like to provide a warning. There is talk about, um, obviously there's always going to be talk about mental illness, but we're going to talk a little bit about suicidal ideation and um, hypothetical harming oneself. If that is a tough subject for you, this might be something that you want to just listen to a different episode. Yeah, go back to a different one. You can listen to one of our other podcasts. Yeah, that's fine. Such as listen Quest, Quest Quest. Quest Quest. Quest.best or I think you two would get along.com. Go listen to those. All right. Jen, uh, would you please read this mm-hmm. question because I have dropped down from a four out of 10 to a three out of 10. Kettlebell. Not looking good, kettlebell. Not looking great. Not looking great. I have found myself in a rather, let's call it frustrating situation. My pronouns are he, him, and I'm age 22. The friend pronouns are she, her, age 18. Our situation is in college, specifically one of those uniquely American colleges built out in the middle of nowhere. I've become the support friend, the human that other humans vent to. I have become flooded with Facebook messages from a single acquaintance at all hours of the day and night, basically with her life pouring out to me. I get to hear about how she's not sleeping because she's afraid of having nightmares, how she's afraid of her abusive ex-boyfriend. This is entirely valid. She's lonely, destined to die alone because she can't find a nice guy with her interests. She's afraid of losing the job that she just got, which pays her $24 an hour because her boss doesn't like her handwriting. She's afraid of being disowned by her parents because of this job. I could go on, but honestly, I think you're starting to get the point around now. She messages me with every little bump in her road. She continues to vet to me specifically because I don't know anyone else here. You're the only one who talks to me, and so on. Far be it for me to prevent somebody from venting their frustrations and issues, but I sure am not a therapist. I'm a history major. (laughs) Speaking of therapy, she's refused to set foot in any sort of therapist office for fear that she'll be institutionalized. She routinely tells me that sometimes she doesn't take her medicine because she doesn't like how it makes her feel. And as somebody who is on anti-anxiety and antidepressants, I can kind of understand that. But the problem with this, with medicine, is usually over in a week or two, or if you talk to your doctor about it. But, and I think you're sensing a theme, she refuses to talk to a doctor about this because she's afraid. Then we get to the thing that's now driving me up the wall. She's messaging me at all hours of the day and night, even when I tell her I'm trying to sleep or when I'm out with my girlfriend or with my family or when I'm driving. It's like throwing a paper airplane into a strong vent. This all gets blown aside. So, Jen and Trin, that's my emotional roller coaster. That's so many things. This is so much. This is, this is stressful. This is stressful on you. And it seems that you are an empathetic person, you know, and this is tough. You would not have become a resource for this person. And I know you're a history major, you're not a psychologist, and, but you would not have become a resource if you did not seem like a stable person or a person who cares. So good on you for, for being somebody who gives a shit. What sucks is that this is mostly, I feel, 
caused by the general discussion in mental health, which is if you want help, reach out to somebody, anyone, talk to me, um, you know, don't hurt yourself. Uh, make sure, just talk to like the first friendly face you see rather than hurt yourself, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, which I think is a really unfair thing to ask of both sides of this equation. It's really caused by the fact that we as a society simply don't have proper resources for people with mental illness. You do not have the tools to help someone who is depressed. Trin and I have said this before. We really believe in helping people. We believe in bearing each other's burdens, especially those burdens of your friends. But it all comes down to what can you actually offer? What you can offer is taking your friend out to dinner, or you can help them research a therapist. What you can't do is get into the darkness, the trauma, and really try to sort things out. That's actually not what friends do. That's not what friends for. That's why there are medical professionals. And you obviously know this. And on some level, your friend does too, because your friend is on medication, which means that at some point she did speak to a doctor. But we keep on coming back to, in your question, you say many things about her judgments of being in the mental health system. She doesn't want to be institutionalized. She doesn't like taking your drugs. They make her feel bad. She doesn't like the doctors, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it sucks because the, the problem is she won't go to the doctor she probably had a bad experience. I mean, this is what this seems yeah, like Yeah, yeah. We, we don't pretend that every doctor, every therapist is a good fit or even good at their job. Totally. But reaching out to just some guy, and that's what you are, you are just some guy, is not more helpful than going to a doctor. And it never could be. Yeah, and you know what? It might actually be damaging. Yeah. I know it's scary to say that, but like you, you getting in here and being what she thinks is a resource and being available to her as like an emergency contact is not good. This isn't a long-term solution at all. Because you can do some actual damage in there, and in there being inside of her brain, we need to hot swap you with a mental health professional. And we need you to never say anything to this person that isn't, you need to go to a doctor, or, wow, that really sucks and I wish I could help. Yeah, we, we understand that you probably don't want to just like quit cold turkey. Be and, like, goodbye forever. And should you? I don't think so. I don't think so either. I don't think that would be good for anyone. I think you would feel terrible about it. And I think she would probably feel terrible about it. And we're trying to reduce harm here. Yes. Okay, we're trying to reduce the amount of suffering in this situation for everyone involved. But Trin, I think you're right. I think what you don't say is any form of advice. And advice isn't the phrase, here's my advice. Advice sounds like, maybe you should do this. Or what if you did this? Or how about you do this? Like, those cues are accidentally giving her permission to keep unloading on you. I would check your language, and I would check your language for a couple of different reasons. One, because, as Jen said, make sure you're not giving any advice that you should not be giving. And two, looking through your question, I understand that you're frustrated with this person. I understand that they seem very dramatic. I understand that the, she's taking so much out of you. She's asking emotional labor from you that you really cannot give her. And that's, that's not good. That's objectively not great. However, throughout your question, you say a lot of judgy things about this person who is in mental health peril right now. You totally do. Man, this is like hidden in this question. But you mentioned she has a job that pays her $24 an hour. And I'm not surprised you know that because this person is sharing a lot of information about themselves to you. But you included that in here. And actually, you included it in another place, too. I just happened to cut that part, which tells us that you are a little judgy of the fact that she has money. And I understand. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, capitalism blows, <laughs> blows turds. It does. So, that's, like, that's like true. It's a fact. A, a turdnado. 
But that just tells you that you're not fit for to be her right. resource because you've got these little, you know what, uh, a therapist, a good therapist won't necessarily uh, be subjective about that kind of thing. So I think what you may be picking up on when she texts you is that she's dramatic. She blows things out of proportion in order to get more sympathy from you, which is a very human thing to do. And you are doing the very human thing of, oh my God, she's so dramatic. I'm saying these dramatic things, but you are also a dramatic person. Like throwing a paper airplane into a strong vent, this gets blown aside. I want to be really clear that we're not trying to harsh on you whatsoever. Again, we are like really happy that you could be this stopgap in this person's life. And hopefully you'll be able to transition her to somebody who can really help. But bear in mind that minimizing her problems or judging her is not helpful. You are having uh, probably some sexist feelings toward this person. Oh, yeah, good point. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, and like, you know, we're not saying you're a sexist asshole. You certainly could be. It doesn't sound like it. You are someone who lives in a society and has biases. Right, right. And there's a younger woman who is telling you all of her problems. And a couple times in here, you made little jabs at her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, that tells us, like, yeah, you're like, okay, okay, knock it off. It's not that bad. It's not that bad. You have money. You have parents. You blah, 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 blah. It might be that bad. Yeah. It might be that bad. Um, And even if she is exaggerating, there's actually nothing too wrong with that because people exaggerate all the time. Yeah. You exaggerated right here when you said, like, throwing a paper airplane into a strong (laughs) We can't get over that line. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's some great writing. And just, and and everyone, when they retell someone to something else, changes it up a little bit. Totally. She's editorializing her own experience. She is. And so are you. I'm not saying you're terrible for judging her for exaggerating because I would say that she almost definitely is. But people tend to over, this is real, people tend to over-exaggerate the little, like, jabs of life when they have a bigger problem that they can't voice. They want you to feel bad and feel sympathy for them without really disclosing what the actual issue is. And if she's worried that she's going to be institutionalized, that could be for, I mean, maybe she feels like she's having other symptoms of mental illness. Like, maybe she could be hearing voices. She could be feeling... Suicidal ideation, which is actually a phrase that I would like you to somehow transfer to her. Let's talk about her fear of being institutionalized. Let's talk about her problems with the medical and mental health system, because these are hurdles that if you want to, if you have the energy, you could help her through and therefore swap her over to a mental health professional. It might be helpful for you to get armed with some facts here, some facts about what it means to be institutionalized and how a therapist she talks to or a counselor It's very unlikely that will happen based on the information you gave us. From what I understand, in our state of Illinois, and it could be very different from you, you may want to do some Googling. You have to really say, I'm afraid I'm going to hurt myself or someone else to be institutionalized. And if you have what's called suicidal ideation, which is you think about it, my cousin called that (laughs) suicide-ish. I'm laughing because that's so dark and awesome. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I'm kind of suicide-ish. So oh, Christ. <laughs> it was such a good conversation I had with her. So she's got two kids and like a full-time job and just like a lot of, you know, she's she's a, a high-strung, stress, stressed person like I am. And we talked about how like being depressed as somebody who knows that they won't kill themselves is interesting because like you, you like, he's like, oh, what if I could just go to sleep forever? That sounds, oh, wait, that's death. Wait, I don't want that. I don't want that. Yeah, you know? yeah, totally. That's suicidal ideation. Like thinking about death a lot, thinking about like how you would like wrap up your affairs and stuff, that is dangerous and you should talk to somebody about it, but it's not something that's going to get you locked up. 
we do not put enough resources into help for mentally ill people as a country for everybody who needs to be institutionalized and helped in an intensive way to actually receive that treatment. Yeah, I I find it very unlikely that that's going to happen for her. And I know that that the unlikeliness won't be the thing that convinces her. She won't be like, oh, you're right. Okay, cool. But maybe do some Googling and pass along a couple sentences of what it means to be institutionalized. So, again, we don't know how best to transfer this information to her. We do know that it won't be through minimizing her problems and saying, oh, no, they would never institutionalize you. It would be probably better served saying, you know, I understand your fears. And that is, uh, that used to be a real problem, especially for women in the 60s and 70s. I mean, maybe don't say that. I don't know what your tone is. You are a history major, though. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But you could say something that there are many levels of help that you could receive, and you're not getting any of them right now. And also, I would love it if you would acknowledge that it seems that her journey through getting help has been a negative one. And acknowledging that there are bad doctors, but that there are a lot of doctors and that there are places where she could go, such as her, if she has insurance, which I would assume she does through her parents because she's 18. If she goes on her insurance's website, she can look for more doctors. It's a lot of work and you don't need to minimize that. But you can say that there are options out there that she hasn't probably considered. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to make her feel bad for not doing all of these things because these things are difficult. But I, I think it would be worthwhile to point them out. And that feels like a little bit of like we're backpedaling because we did say earlier, like, don't give her advice. But this is her pointing to where to get real help. Yes. And that is the only kind of advice you should be giving. 100%, Jen. I agree with that very strongly. So again, we don't know you very well. We don't know this friend of yours at all. And the words that you think up will always be better than ours. But if you stay in the two veins when you talk to her of, gosh, that sucks. I really wish I could help. It's not something I can help with. And, but you know who could, is a doctor. <laughs> a doctor. <laughs> a doctor that's not a PhD in history. Yeah. yeah. Or um, an undergrad or whatever you are. Yeah. So I feel like we covered what is happening here, ways that the asker should adjust their viewpoint on the situation, and how to communicate going forward. But let's talk about boundary setting. Absolutely. Now that we've got all that out of the way, we need to get back to you a little bit, and you need to absolutely start firming up some boundaries. It is not okay that she's identified you as an emergency contact. It's not acceptable Oof. for anyone that she contacts you in the middle of the night. It's just not It's not okay. You can't provide proper help, and we don't want her to start leaning on that. It sounds like she already is. I think that the first boundary that you can set, and this is a decision that you can make, how many boundaries you want to set and how quickly. But the first one is, I'm going to put my phone on do not disturb from the hours of 10 a.m. to, uh, excuse me. That would be uh, awesome. That would be great. Uh, I'm, going to put, <laughs> I'm going to put my phone on do not disturb from the hours of 11 p.m. to 10 a.m. So I just wanted you to be aware of that because I know you tend to contact me during that time, but I'm trying really hard to get more sleep and be more functional for my day-to-day tasks. Yeah, and um, I, I don't know if you're still in school or if you have projects or a job or whatever you do during the day. It is okay to not answer her then as well. Yes. Um, I would give her a heads up, like Trin said. I'm going to not answer text messages between 3 and 9 because that's when I am doing this thing. And she may complain about it, but these are things that you, oh, two out of 10 kettlebell. I just crashed real, real hard. Oh, nice. Kettlebell's looking like a no. I was thinking, I was feeling good once we were like on that really good path of talking about mental health professionals, but I'm fading. It's fine. It's fine. I'll make it through this. You're doing mental exercise right now. We were talking about you not 
putting up some boundaries with answering her messages. It's, That's You mentioned, I think, wasn't Facebook messaging here? Yeah, I'd become flooded with Facebook messages. Okay, so probably time to change up your Facebook habits. Yeah. Because Facebook doesn't, you can't turn it off. Like, even if you're not online or whatever, I think you can still leave messages for someone. Really? Can you? I, I don't, don't know. know. I don't, I don't I try, have Facebook. I, yeah, I don't really know how to use Facebook Messenger, but I think you can, like, send someone. It's like an email, basically, but it's not an email because it requires, like, more urgent answers. That's the worst. Yeah, you're being set up here to feel bad for not answering her. Yeah, yeah, And that's, yeah. that's not fair for anybody. So I think that setting, bound, like, general boundaries is good. But man, I don't know how to deal with the Facebook Messenger thing. That just sounds like a really shitty app. Yeah, that, it does. That you yeah. should get rid of. Can you turn off Facebook Messenger? Can you give her a heads up? Can yeah. you take a break from Facebook? People have taken breaks from Facebook for much less than what you're going through right now. I also want to acknowledge uh, that I know that you may think that because this is an unfair situation, that you should just get to say, stop messaging me. But Unfortunately, you have partaken in setting up a situation where she's come to expect you to be at her beck and call. And that is partially your fault. Yeah, you are a little complicit in this. Yeah. It's not like she's she didn't pick you randomly off the street. Right. You did give her some signals that you are available. Right. And if she's saying, like, no one else talks to me, that's because they put fair boundaries in yeah, place. Yeah, yeah, because they probably don't answer her in the middle of the night. You said, even when I'm trying to sleep, she, how does she know you're trying to sleep? Because you reply, I'm trying to sleep. That's technically a response. It is. That is a response. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this sucks. It's not fair that you should have to change what you do to accommodate just one person. But if you want to solve for this problem, you're going to have to make some changes personally. Yeah, you want something here to change. That means changes have to be made. Ah, <sighs> yeah. It sucks, but um, so well, I, I think it's time to just start amicably winding this down. Yes. So what would you say for setting boundaries? So we were like, oh, I wish I could help you with this stuff, but at this point, I know that you need a mental health professional, and there are many out there available. Like, what kinds of things should he say? Yeah, I think you got to—I think we've said this on the show before, but find your thesis and fucking stick to it. Yeah, yeah. Don't get drawn into a deep, dark conversation where she tw- tries to um, be like, but health, but I don't like doctors, and because all of that is valid, mm-hmm. but it's not your job to convince her. It is your job to be a solid wall of, hey— Here's the number two campus counseling. I really think you should pursue this. I care about you and I want you to feel better. I also want to talk about when you do need to quit cold turkey. Oh, yeah. We, we should definitely talk about when it's unsafe. Right. It seems that this person is leaning on you emotionally a lot. I want to make sure that you're paying attention as to how she's keeping you in her life. I don't want this to be an emotionally abusive situation where she says, I have no one to talk to, so I'm going to do blank. Or if you don't answer me, I'm going to blank. That is unfair, manipulative, and abusive. And people who are mentally ill and who need help and who um, are often victims, they can victimize this way. And it's, it sucks. And I, I mean, like, I'm not, I'm not a mental health professional. I can't tell you why this happens. And I don't know how to stop it from happening. But I do know that it's not okay. Yeah, it's not okay. And we, we do have to keep in mind the worst case scenario here. And I think that's what worst case scenario is. And at that worst case scenario, you can say, I'm, you can say, I'm sorry. I, I wouldn't be sorry. But at that point, you can say something like, this isn't fair to me any longer. And I think that you are being unfair to me. To disengage, I'm going to block you for a little while 
And I stand by everything I said before, which is that you need help, you deserve help, and help is available. The end. Yeah. You can say you can get better, but it won't be through me. Man, it's true, though. It's true. I mean, that's a fact. Like, you you do not have the tools at all to help this person. Yes. Because at this point, it's not just venting, you yeah. know? It's not. If it were venting, you could, you could say that sucks. Uh, but instead, you're getting messages like, no one else helps me. No, I don't have anything else. That's beyond venting. So I guess, in conclusion, I'm sorry about this situation. And I'm sorry about it because, again, like we said at the start of the episode, I think that the problem is rooted in our shitty stopgap measure of helping people with mental illness, of saying, talk to someone, anyone. That is such a garbage thing to say. Yeah, I mean, you can't randomly email someone with all of your problems. Yeah, Lin-Manuel Miranda does not have time enough to talk to every single person who is sad and wants the Hamilton guy to, like, make him a funny video. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. like, like, it always makes me crazy when people with, like, tens of thousands of Twitter followers or Tumblr followers are like, if you need anyone, you can always reach out to me. And it's like, you don't actually mean yeah, that. Yeah, like, what if you're asleep? Or they have a serious problem that you have no context for helping. Yeah, or you're, like, not looking at your phone right then. You are not, like, an emergency contact resource for people. And if you are, like, literally if you are, you should take that shit seriously. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think that we can provide these kinds of things to people in our inner circles who we care deeply about. And for those people, as Jen and I have said before, reach out to your inner circle. Make sure that they're doing okay. Because that's how these meaningful conversations happen. But this wasn't meaningful. This pairing between the two of you, you know— is unhealthy. Yeah, I mean, you're not friends. Yeah. You're not, this isn't a friendship. She's your weird daughter. Like a year ago, she was a literal child. Yeah, she was in high school. She was in high school. Anyway, I bet. I wish you best of luck. Again, we don't mean anything like harsh towards you, um, I, but, but this is, this situation sucks and you deserve to be extricated from it. Trin, how's kettlebell feeling? Like not even close to it. <laughs> Occurring. Like, we were going to do this fun thing where I was like, oh, I'm sure it'll feel up and down. But no, I'm just slowly on the decline. Well, I think you should take care of yourself and not go to kettlebell. Thank you. I'm definitely not fucking going. In fact, I may go nap in the nap room before I go home. Oh, (laughs) yeah. Let's do question two before I fully die. Let's do it. Hi, friendshipping. Hello. I recently had a social media snafu that may mean a friendship is over, but I'm wondering how you would encourage handling things like this in the future. To be brief, someone I've been internet friends with for about seven years has had a pretty significant breakdown after a bad breakup. We've hung out in person a few times and done things like go on hikes and get dinner when she's in the city I live in. I did my best to be supportive throughout, but in the fallout of her breakdown, she started doing things like antagonizing Trump supporters on the internet and telling them to commit suicide. She pretty regularly got into heated and escalated situations with friends and strangers, but she would take it to a place of telling people to kill themselves, meanwhile openly talking about her own struggles with suicide. She has been openly struggling with mental health issues for a long time. Since this escalation, we've not been as close, but we remain friendly and we'll share links. Over the last few months, I felt like she had been baiting me to escalate, and I've tried to respond politely in a non-engaging way. Yesterday, I told social media that my partner and I are thinking about trying to buy a house and feeling pretty despondent about whether or not that could ever happen. And I also said some funny things to lighten it up. I feel like your personal social media platform is an appropriate place to share things like this, especially if you go through the effort of sharing things in an amusing way. She responded with words to the effect of, could be worse, we can't afford a house either, but I don't cry on the internet about it. (laughs) I added the way. (laughs) I responded to the effect of, 
yeah, it could be worse, but this is my social media platform and you're welcome to ignore me, but showing up to tell me how petty my concerns are is pretty rude. She unfriended me and left me a nasty message. I was kind of waiting for her to decide that I was among the bad people that she has axed from her life. But now I'm curious if I'm off base about how people should use social media. Is telling people that they can ignore me if they want an incorrect response? She has had a hard time, but I don't think I'm in the wrong. Maybe you can advise? Um, yeah, I don't think you're in the wrong. It sounds like you really want us to tell you that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you didn't do anything wrong according to this version of events that you personally wrote. We give you permission to be correct and feel (laughs) correct about it. Uh, That said, there's a lot going on here. And it seems pretty clear to me that your friend has gone somewhere that you can't really follow. Yeah, this seems like your friend is engaging in active self-harm over and over and over again. This is a person who's talking about suicide. This is a person who's talking about mental illness. And when you start systematically one by one going through each of the people that you like and axing them out of their life for a reason that you find, just a reason, just any justification, that is self-harm. It is. It's poison to everyone who sees it. Yeah. Let's talk briefly about the act of telling someone to kill themselves on on Twitter. So we will never tell you not to shit on a Nazi online. Nazi lives don't matter. They never will. They never have. Um, And we are not people that will tell you to keep it classy and civil. I mean, take look at our Twitter pages. That's not something we do. But telling people to kill themselves uh, on the internet or in any platform, really, it's not okay. It's, it's unacceptable. It's a special level of bad. It's one of those things that's like, and let's include a trigger warning for this too, because I am going to say this. I think this is important. Suicide and rape are those things that just by the word triggers people. You're not doing this for the Nazi. You're doing this for everybody else who may see that tweet. To say somebody, oh, get raped or go kill yourself. That's an awful thing coming out of your voice. You are way better and more creative at telling Nazis to fuck themselves than by saying that. Right. What, what this person doing is pretty heinous. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's very similar to when people make fun of people that they hate's looks or calling them like, oh, they're so fat. That's not showing how much you hate that person. It's actually showing how much you internally hate fat people. Right. It's, it's very similar to that. So there are really good, valid, legit, truthful reasons why Trump supporters, Nazis, garbage people should fuck off, and it's none of those things. Right. I mean, you are taking the word suicide and arming it, and it's hurting more people. It's hurting the wrong people. Yes. Yeah. And it's hurting the right people in the wrong way. Yeah. You know, like you, I understand why you would want to take someone down a notch who voted for Trump who believes in his racist, sexist, xenophobic rhetoric, those people should be taken down a notch. But this is not, That's this, not, is the not way. this isn't effective. It's not how you do it. There's just so many valid ways. Yeah. Just like you're, <laughs> you're so, just common, like you are such an ignorant shitbag that believes garbage things that garbage people say. I don't know. Anyway, Jen, talk about, let's talk about feeling bitter. Okay, so this is something I've been thinking about over the last few months, how, what it means to be a bitter person or someone who acts bitter, especially when things are bad. And I know you don't want your friend to, to act this way, to act so bitterly, but you actually can't control why someone would be bitter. And you shouldn't try because like I'm white and cis and it is not okay for me to police what other people are bitter about because society has not treated us the same way. So people are allowed, point blank, they're allowed their anger. They yeah. are allowed to be bitter. 
and that has nothing to do with you. you this fr- your friend's anger about um, the fact that you can buy a house, and we'll get into that because we have thoughts on that. Well, the asker can't even buy a house. Yeah. They're just talking about how like they want it to be on the table. Yeah, that how you might possibly one day be able to buy a house. Which is still better than most people. Yeah, yeah. That bitterness isn't directed at you. It's directed at the system. It's yes. directed at um, the things that have knocked them down in life so they can't even enter the arena of one day buying a house. So that, that, that anger is, is theirs, and it's not yours. Even though what she said to you is very personal, it's much bigger than you. Really what we're getting at is that there are consequences often for even benign things. So, for example, Jen and I will tell you, if you want to block somebody on Twitter, fucking do it. That is a benign thing. That is a neutral thing to do. You get to choose who you follow or don't follow. However, if you block somebody, they sometimes become upset. And there's nothing that you can do to make them not upset. Sometimes they email you and ask why you blocked them. Which is wild to me. Do that not do that. Happens. I, or, or even why you unfollowed them. Never do this. So fucking ridiculous. Anyway, so, so there can be consequences, even, like bad consequences, even for doing something positive. And so you are in the right in that you did something neutral and it had a consequence that you could not control. However... We are not going to tell you that there will never be consequences for you talking about home ownership on Twitter. Right. Yeah. We got to talk about this because yeah. this topic is so, so interesting to me. Okay. Uh, home ownership, owning property, owning a house, owning a condo, whatever, is sensitive yes. to people of our generation because so many people will never be able to do it. So if you have an Instagram that's flooded with pictures of your new house, you might get muted, okay? You might get unfollowed. Oh, yeah. I've unfollowed two friends with houses, not because I don't love them. I do, but because I I was just so jealous. Yeah, right? (laughs) Because, like, owning a house instead of renting or sharing or having roommates or whatever, it's just not something that's a possibility for a generation that paid 600% more in college tuition or that it works in a gig economy and has to, like, work from 9 to noon and then 9 to 6 and then 6 to midnight. Like, it's just not on the table. So you did nothing wrong by talking about your house on the internet. Yes. Or possibility of ever buying a house. But I can tell that you feel you are owed something because you were funny about it. Take it from me. Uh, It doesn't (laughs) matter if you're funny on the internet. People will still find a way to be upset. So just as you are owed the right to talk about maybe one day owning a house, they are owed the right to mute you, unfollow you, not want to hear about it. I don't think they should send you nasty messages, though. Oh, yeah. That's a bummer. Don't do that. Oh, this person, oh, 100% this person was wrong. Um, so, but you just, you had asked us, the crux of the question was, did I do okay, and how can I do better in the future? And the, the answer is, you did fine. Yeah, you're fine. You're allowed to talk about whatever you want on the internet. But yeah. just as people are allowed to be like, I don't want to hear about it. Right. And will and if you talk about potentially owning a house in the future, you may get more nasty messages. We don't really know. Um, it seems like you're correct in your apparent assumption that your friend was looking for an excuse to be mad at you. But that's their own self-harm that's kind of different. But we do want you, I, I guess the, the gist of this babbling is, when you talk about things like that, you may get comments and that's it. Think of it this way. If it seems impossible that someone would be mad at you for wanting to buy a house, that's you saying, I might have a lot of money to buy a house. It's money. It's directly translated into money. Right. And you know how sensitive it is when you talk about money with people. Dude, Jen, speaking of that, wow. Okay, so there was this one. This is all going to come full circle, I promise. I'm excited. I know that I'm sick, but I think I can, I can make this thread work. So there was this one uh, think piece about skincare that I read two years ago that I hated. And it was this whole takedown of like, Women only like skincare because it's another uh, extension of capitalism. You show a shelfie of the products on your shelf and blah, 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 blah. There's no science, blah, blah, blah. And I think that 
part of that is true. People so show selfies to show. A selfie is a is a selfie of your shelf. Love which it. Is so it's clever. I, I kind of like it. I was going to be mad about it, but that's just internalized misogyny. <laughs> um, and it is a way to show off of like what you own. And I feel this. <laughs> I feel this way about plants. I follow a lot of plant Instagrams because I like to see people's plants and stuff. But I have had to unfollow some because a lot of it is just this is a rich person who buys giant plants. Totally. You know? Yeah, yeah. And so I have changed the way that I talk about my plants to, hey, I foraged this. Or here are some things I planted in garbage, things like that, because um, I've changed my, oh, look at my cool plant, which I still like to post sometimes, to, hey, this is a thing I did that's really accessible, actually, and I'm really proud of how it turned out. And I don't know how to change the way that you talk about home ownership like that. Maybe it's more of, a, of an angle of, so here are some like DIY things that we're trying to do to save money for a house. So we're making our own fucking yogurt now. We got a yogurt strain. Like, hell yeah, check this out. Some homesteading shit or whatever. Make it less about, and, and this is not to accuse you of doing this, but in the future, make it less about what you have and more about what you are doing for this thing that you care about. And keep in mind who your audience is. Yeah. You probably have close friends with whom you can discuss the details of maybe contracting a house, okay? But that's different than telling your 100 Twitter followers about it. You're giving them permission to think what they want every time you post on Twitter. Isn't that scary? It is. Yeah, people can, can take your words and think whatever they want about them. Oh, it's why, like, I study journalism, but it's why, among other reasons, um, like uh, the economy, it's why I didn't become a journalist because I actually <laughs> find it very scary Yeah, yeah, to, yeah. to like, write an editorial piece. And I think people that do this are very brave. And I think in, in, in um, I've had a friend tell me that the way I present myself on the internet is similar to like that, but it's not okay because I can take back stuff on Twitter or I can decide not to post it. But it's not and it's not my job. I'm not paid to do that. But people that post opinion pieces, you're giving people permission yes. to twist your words. Yeah, doesn't that suck? And people do that anyway. Yeah, people will always do that. Like people will subtweet you, and it's like looking at somebody draw a picture of you with like an evil mustache on. You know, like like they it's like hey. That wasn't me. Why didn't I get the benefit of the doubt here? Right. So that's it, Jen, is the benefit of the doubt. That is a really, really fucking good point. Your friend who is mean to you, and and again, I really think that they are engaging in self-harm. It's not about what you are saying or doing. But your friend, if they were in a mentally healthy place and you were talking about this homeownership, the people in your inner circle should know you well enough, understand where you're coming from well enough, to know that you are not showing off. To yeah. know that this is a struggle in your life that you just want to talk about. The people that love you, you can expect them to be nice to you online. You can expect them to give you the benefit of the, of the doubt. And this person let you down. But when you talk online, it's not just people who love you. It's people who are engaging in self-harm by harming their entire social network. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah, basically. Well, so moving forward. Yeah, moving forward. Delete um, your account. Uh, throw your computer into an eye of a tornado. Yeah, or a lake, whichever is closer. Mm-hmm. And that's about all we got. <laughs> uh, don't go to kettlebell class if you're not feeling well. I feel terrible. I would oh, say that. Take I a know. nap. Have you eaten today? I have. Oh, good. I ate like healthy food. I. You know what I ate, John? Tell me all about it. I started by I started my day by eating two handfuls of raw spinach. That is amazing. Don't you need some carbs in there? 
Do I? I mean, I I had other things. Okay, good. Okay, yeah, no, good. I, I was just, gonna say. I think you need a little bit more because <laughs> so, it's it's almost four p.m. I want to tell you about how I'm a, a horrible animal in the morning. <laughs> You're a little rabbit. So like I uh, I don't eat like a normal person. What I do is I take a bowl and I just start putting things in it. So like I made oatmeal and then I was like I'm gonna put peanut butter and jelly in this oatmeal. I eat like I'm high all the time. That's awesome. So I had peanut butter and jelly oatmeal for breakfast after the two handfuls of spinach. And then I went back to the refrigerator. I, I like eating. You're a little forager. Spinach. I'm disgusting. <laughs> it's what you can find. So and then I'm like a weird raccoon. Like I wash it and then I eat it. Oh, with my little raccoon hands. Um, but so I I also microwaved a fake sausage. And then what Ooh. I would do is I pulled it apart slowly and would wrap it in the raw spinach and then eat the little ball at a time. So it was like twenty little like fake spinach. This fake sausage pieces covered in it, that's how I this eat is this. fantastic. One time I was at the zoo when I was uh, a young <laughs> a young teen and I saw something amazing, which was the chimpanzee had a pile of fruit and it was sorting the grapes out into like a small pile. Like it had a huge pile of different fruit and it wanted the grapes separate. Yeah. That's Trin. That's me. Trin's like, oh, I'll just do this. I'll do the ooh. I'm a monkey. Whereas raccoon. most animals don't do that. They don't. <laughs> most most animals will just microwave something and be done with it. I okay. love the idea of you foraging in your apartment. For some I'm reason, I'm gross. picturing you on all fours. That's not <laughs> far from the truth. I mean, I've, if you have noticed, not once in this conversation did I mention silverware. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, that's, I mean, because that's legit. Oh, actually, no, I ate the oatmeal with silverware, because otherwise, how would you do that? Like this. But this, <laughs> she's tipping, it's like, <laughs> like from Beauty and the Beast when they both take their dinner and they drink yeah, it together. Yeah. It's like that. No. Anyway, this has been Friendshiping with Jen and Trin. <laughs> if you'd like to follow us on Twitter, you can at Do Friendship, at Jen Dangerous, and at Trin and Tonic. If you would like to ask us questions. Oh, yeah. We do that. If you want to ask us questions, you can at friendshippingpodcast at gmail.com. I'm so sick. Uh, thank you to Ian Parman for editing so much and so often is and this so week quickly. Is, thank you. Ian like we've really put you through the ringer than this one yeah I agree also it's fucking Friday and we're giving him this episode <laughs> it's Friday almost 4 p.m. so we're doing amazing everyone loves to get projects at 4 p.m. on a Friday right yeah I mean I do thank you to Monica Verma for being our literary agent thank you to uh, Lauren Gallagher for doing design stuff for us thank you to Molly Lewis for singing our theme song that is so delightful also she does the ukulele bing at the end that's also Molly Lewis so like we can't just say singer thank you to singer songwriter Molly Lewis thank you to Alex Pox Alex Pox <laughs> Alex Pox that's who I am today Thank you to Alex Cox, our podfather and audio daddy, for all of their support in the studio today and every day. And thank you for listening to this for whatever godforsaken reason you might listen to this podcast. You're welcome for talking. Your friendship at the problem. Every, oh every fucking time we do anything. That was my uh, take your pills, bitch alarm. Take your pills, bitch. It says pills, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> it used to be the song bills, 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 but um, pills, pills, pills. Because it's pills. You're pills, clever. Pills. Thanks. <laughs>